Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Soulvox Radio presents Evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Disney. Hi, welcome to the show. This is Robin White Turtle Disney. The show's Evolve. And today, my special guest is my new book. It's called Ceremonies from the Heart for Children, Adults, and the Earth. And this book is a uh, long time coming. I first published this book under the title Dancing Up the Moon back in 1995. And the book then was uh, developed from my thesis at Holy Names College in the Matthew Fox program. And that thesis was focused on adolescent rites of passage. So today I'm, I'm publishing a new version of this book it's updated and upgraded. Uh, I have revamped the book and focused it on um, uh, ceremonies for everyone. Dancing Up the Moon was focused on women, and this one is focused on uh, different stages of our lives, starting with birth and even pre-birth and moving all the way through adolescence uh, through self-discovery rituals, mis- miscarriage, abortion, purification, and menopause. Uh, it also has a whole section, several chapters actually, on uh, celebrating um, uh, passages for adolescents. And it talks a lot about sexual identity and how we can honor the different rights for kids. There are four sections in the book. Um, the first one describes Uh, how you get started in creating your own ceremony. Uh, And then the section two is transitions for every stage and every age. Section three is honoring personal transitions. Section four, honoring relationships. And section five, rights with the natural world. So today what I'm going to do is talk about this book and and give you a little bit uh, from each section I'll read a little bit, and I'm also going to uh, describe how I got started doing this, because um, really this book came out of my own family's needs, and that's what I want to talk about first. Um, The first part of the book, Section 1, Living the Sacred Every Day, uh, has to do with how do we create meaning? How do we create a new foundation for our culture? And how do we move from a culture that has gotten to the point where our machines are kind of taking over our cultural interactions? Uh, It seems that we can hardly, hardly relate to people anymore without a cell phone in our hands or without a computer. Uh, I've just recently discovered this when my computer 
had a heart attack and had to get a new one. And, it, you know, it, it almost, it, if I had let it, it could have paralyzed me. But instead, I took the opportunity to get better sleep, to rest. <laughs> so uh, what this book does, getting back to the topic here, um, what this book does is it gives us an, a way to make richer, more meaningful ceremonies in our, with our friends and family. Uh, so in the section one, Living the Sacred Every Day, I talk about how you get started with a ritual. You know, rituals are just like stories. They begin, they have a middle, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And when you do a ritual, it's very important, and I talk about this, of course, in the book, to begin the ritual uh, with a very marked time. Okay, now we're going to do a ceremony. I'd like to do a little something special for my niece or for my nephew or for my daughter or son. And you you let people know that this is what you want to do now. It's not going to take very long and give them a time limit if you want to. Uh, but I, I think this is an important time to mark this occasion. And um, so you start with an introduction and you start perhaps even uh, creating a circle of healing and doing a little invocation. And then the next uh, part of any ritual or ceremony is the heart of it. What are you doing in uh, with uh, earth, air, fire, and water, the candles, uh, a, a little bowl of water for blessing? I mean, you could do a number of different things that can help you create a sacred time and acknowledgement of other people in the room. And then there's the part of the ritual where you're closing where everyone's had their say or the, the ritual is winding down and you come to a conclusion and end it. This is very, very important. Uh, if you don't close the circle of a ritual, you actually create kind of this space where um, there isn't a clear ending and, and it's also telling uh, not only the people in the ritual, but it's also telling the universe, you know, the spirits around you, the spirits of nature. I'm now closing this ritual and I'm uh, releasing the energy of the four directions, if you call those in, the earth, air, fire, and water, northeast, southwest. Um, if you call those directions in, you need to signal to the universe you're letting them go now and you're you're outside the ritual space. Going to uh, now proceed in ordinary life. So that's what uh, a basic fundamental ritual is, how you create one. But there's many, many details and components in the book that talk about how do you, how do you decide what's important to you. You know, um, the most, significant thing about our culture right now that uh, really prompted this book is that we're having a breakdown of ordinary churches in, in the mo for the most part. Um, the Catholic Church is in trouble. Other churches have lost large numbers of their congregations. Now some, some gathering places, some churches uh, do are growing and are moving forward. Um, but other churches are, are not, or they're closing, they're stagnating. I remember going to Scotland a couple of years ago, and I was amazed to find this beautiful cathedral had been turned into a bar. <laughs> and it was, called, it was called something like, you know, the Angel's Lair or something like that. And it, had, it was like a castle inside. It had 
an atrium. It had several little spots where you could, a big bar in the middle where the congregation would have sat and probably did for several hundred years. And then around the outside, there were little booths and places where you could sit and chat with people. You could order food if you wanted. And uh, But it was inside this beautiful old stone church. And I'm imagining that church had been sitting vacant for some time. But we are moved into, we have moved into more of a secular society. Um, and yet the spiritual needs of people are more important than ever. And why is that? Well, how do we connect with nature? How do we um, how do we bring meaning into our lives? This is this is something that's so important because otherwise we end up being kind of like robots. You know, we're going to work, we're um, uh, taking care of our kids. <clears throat> Certainly, we're loving them and we care about them. But how do you actually show that you care about them and that you're recognizing them and watching them as they grow and honoring their growth. This is something that rituals, little periodic rituals can do that will really help. So uh, in this book, in the first section, I also talk a lot about the social challenges that we have right now. And I quote a lot uh, Joseph Campbell, who's in my mind kind of the godfather of um, modern ceremony, the understanding the ancient and bringing it into the new. Um, I feel Joseph Campbell was quite a teacher for so many people, not just at Sarah Lawrence University, but uh, his conversation with Bill Moyers um, and Healing in the Mind and many other um, uh, great TV programs that, uh, that he, Bill Moyers, produced. Um, including uh, the whole conversation in several parts with Joseph Campbell that was on PBS many years ago uh, and filmed out at uh, Lucasfilms. Uh, you know, that conversation with him was like listening to an old storyteller tell us about where rituals come from and and what's important for kids growing up and how girls need to have their menses honored how boys need to separate from their mothers and move into their own reality uh, as a man. And and all of these things are very, very important, and I use them all the time when I'm working with people uh, and working in private sessions. So it's, it's quite amazing to me um, how we can uh, take these ideas that Joseph Campbell supported uh, back, you know, in the 80s, we can bring them forward and recognize the importance of them in our lives today. Um, so that first section talks a lot about why these are so important and how you can uh, bring in nature, uh, earth, air, fire, and water. They're the foundations of any ritual. And uh, we need to reconnect with nature um, in this book, um, I go into different uh, stages of life, as I've talked about, and at the end, which I'll talk about at the end of this interview today, or this conversation, I'm going to talk about rights of the natural world and how we can create uh, rituals to listen to the earth. Um, you know, Native people have always listened to the earth, and uh, they have always listened to the stages of life 
that we each go through at different uh, times of a child's life. And so what I wanted to do is how do we bring Native, the question of the book is how do we bring Native sensibility and support, um, not with the romantic view that a lot of people have of Native cultures, but with a practical eye to how do we integrate all the different people that we have uh, in our lives of different races, different genders, uh, different hues of the same human family. Well, rituals are one way we can do that. Um, so uh, I'll talk more about uh, the rights of the natural world uh, at the end of this interview, and then uh, I'll start by talking a little bit more about transitions for every stage and every age. That's a section two. Uh, I start with a conception celebration. Uh, I know many couples that have consciously chosen to have children. <laughs> and sometimes they leave it up to the universe, but uh, there are ways that you can create a ceremony that will help uh, bring you and your partner together to create a child. And then, you know, of course, all that goes with that. But um, uh, you can also honor a child at birth, preparing for the baby, getting the room ready, doing a little ritual to honor the fact that this child is coming in. Um, and then the moment of arrival, you know, making some special stuff that you could wear, uh, uh, a vest, a cape, um, uh, a dress of some kind that the mother would be wearing, um, something for the child uh, as their a little cap a knitted cap. I mean, these are traditional things that we do already. You know, how many people get, you know, little little things for the baby, you know, that are made by the grandmas or made by someone else. Um, and then birth, the moment of arrival, you know, um, that's such a precarious time for families and also such an important one. And really honoring the birth and the tenderness and the connection with um, moms and dads, and how how important a father is at that moment to be there with the mother. <clears throat> this is just such a such an important time. You know, when I was born uh, many years ago, um, that wasn't allowed. But I was lucky that my father was a physician, and so he was able to be there uh, when I was born. And um, the story of that was that I smiled into him when I came out. And um, I remember my dad saying, you know, for God's sake, she smiled at me. And so in telling stories of our birth, you know, that was something that I remember and I really hold dear, that I connected with my dad and then I connected with my mom. So those little stories can be just so heart heartwarming um, and they can also help and be part of the ritual. Um, you could also have a naming ceremony. You know, in many, in many uh, Native American tribes, they uh, hold the child up to the stars and they do a naming ceremony. Um, sometimes they hold, um, you know, the idea, the spirit of the child before birth. In Africa, they do this. And um, they have um, a time when the elders, you know, get the name. They do a ceremony before the birth of the child to understand what the name of the child is. And that also tells um, a little bit about, you know, what the purpose of the child is uh, is coming in for. 
So uh, Melodoma Sume uh, and Sumofo Sume have talked a great deal about this in their books, and uh, they talk about African ceremonies and how they are, uh, how they impact um, before the child is born. But you can also do a naming ceremony afterwards, and so I give a story about that naming ceremony and how you can do it. Uh, another stage of life that's really important is celebrating the first adult action. When a child begins to take responsibility for themselves, um, uh, like taking out the garbage or doing something responsibly without being told, this is a, a point of celebration. You know, there are a lot of young people uh, that are still living with their parents in their 30s today. And the problem with that is they never really grow up. They still have mom doing stuff for them or dad doing stuff for them. And they don't really... Uh, function as responsible. And so I see this, unfortunately, a lot um, with young people that, uh, some young people, not all of them, I mean, some of them I can't wait to get out of the house and do their own thing. But what's important is to honor that when they do the right thing, when they do uh, take the garbage out or do something responsible without being told, recognizing that it's part of their contribution to a family, and so uh, I have a ceremony of celebrating the first adult action and what that is. Um, when I come back, I'm going to take a little break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about the adolescent uh, rites of passage. And I'll tell you the story of what happened in my own family. And then uh, we'll go into a rites of passage for boys and men and girls. And then uh, how do you honor who you are as you are? Um, so we'll we'll go into all of that in just a minute. This is Robin White Turtle Listney and the show is Evolve. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts and culture with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. Hi, we're back. This is Robin White Turtle Listney, and the show is Evolve. And I'm talking today about my new book called Ceremonies from the Heart for Children, Adults, and the Earth. Uh, as I left it a few minutes ago, what I was talking about were adolescent passages. Uh, adolescent passages are so important. Uh, this was the basis of my thesis when I was in graduate school studying under Matt Fox. And actually the ritual that I was interested in talking about in that thesis and where I did a lot of this preliminary research uh, was on Adolescent Passages, uh, a blue heron ceremony that we created in our family. This ritual, uh, the blue heron ceremony, came about because my niece, Lisney, was turning 13. And she was the first niece in my family that was uh, coming into her young adulthood. And I wanted to honor it somehow. Um, when I was growing up, you know, in the 50s and 60s, my my family uh, were Lutherans, and we went to, you know, Lutheran uh, churches, and we had uh, 
a rite of passage that was basically a two-year study from the time we were 13 to 15, uh, mostly about the Bible. And then we got offertory and envelopes with our names on them at the end, which meant we were now part of the church and we're supposed to give money to it. And I found that the whole ritual was disappointing. Uh, we had spent two years with our beloved minister. We had done encounter groups at the time. We had done all kinds of things. And um, it was we were all pretty close, and we cared about this minister. And then when it came right down to it, it was the senior minister, an older man who we hardly knew, that actually did the confirming in a ceremony at the Lutheran Church. And um, I I didn't have, there was no meaning to it uh, for me. And my family gathered, my grandparents were there, my parents were there, but you know, I, I just didn't feel like it had any meaning for me. So um, it, it came out of that frustration uh, that I wanted to create something meaningful for my niece. And that initial impulse turned into the Blue Heron Ceremony. So uh, what I did uh, in consulting with my sister Kisti and talking to her husband, Sid, is that I wanted to create something that honored Lisney's movement from childhood to adulthood and mark that time. And we chose 13 because um, that's the, the age that in the Jewish faith they uh, bar mitzvah or bas mitzvah young girls and boys and I had gone to a bar mitzvah, uh, a client of my husband's, and I was very interested in how the whole family turned out for it. So we chose a time, uh, it was around the 4th of July, where there are lots of birthdays and lots of celebrations going on. And most of the family was there. There were about 35 people all together. And what I had done is I carved a blue heron. I carved a fledgling heron lifting up off of its perch, uh, moving up into the world. And my maiden name is Herons, and so Herons was on my dad's side of the family. <clears throat> we had thought of ourselves like blue herons, kind of gawky, long-legged. <laughs> so um, this fledgling heron uh, had some blue heron feathers that were tied on the neck that I had gotten from my sister-in-law at the time. And I uh, put them on the bird and put a stand, made a stand for it, uh, and brought it to the ceremony, uh, brought it to the celebration. And all I said was, I, I really would like to do something nice for Lizney. Um, it's, you know, she's turning 13. She just turned 13, and I'd like to really honor her with the ceremony, uh, with some kind of a celebration. I didn't even call it a ceremony. I think I just want to honor Lizzie or do something nice for Liz. And at that, the whole family rallied around it. And I was kind of surprised. Um, but anyway, we sat in the backyard of my parents' house. There were um, many kids running in and out. And uh, I didn't even know what to do. I just had this bird. <laughs> so I unwrapped the bird, and I gave, uh, took it off its stand, and I gave it to Lisney. And I said, you know, I want to honor you. And I made some awkward comments, but basically said, you know, uh, I care about you, and I see that you're growing into a young adolescent, and I am really proud of you, and I'm glad with, you know, who you are and who you become, who you're becoming, 
And I just acknowledged that I loved her and cared for her. And then I gave her the bird. And then she held the bird for a minute. And she looked at me. And then she gave it to the next adult. And what she actually was doing was uh, we were using it like a talking stick. She, she was to remain silent. Uh, and just listen to the comments. And then she went to the next adult and the next adult. And um, I was really impressed with, you know, how she just took it in and she listened. There, there are lots of little kids running in and out on laps and no one spoke uh, except um, before we began the whole ceremony, my grandfather, unbeknownst to any of us, uh, talked about... Uh, our family name, Lisney, and what it meant and how it be, it means uh, the land of the light. And he told a story that's in the book that you can read about um, how the king has seen the tapestry of his life. And he was equating that moment with, with uh, that story. Uh, and it was very touching. My grandpa wasn't a very vocal person, and he didn't speak up very much, but he he felt like he needed to say something here. So um, that was how we actually began the ceremony, and then I did what I did with Lizney, and she went around to each of the members of the family, and they gave her a blessing. And um, all the way around the circle, and, and then I closed the circle, and I said, thank you, you know, that this ends and this is the first Blue Heron ceremony and I hope we do it for many more generations. Um, and then we kind of broke up in a group and, you know, we're talking to each other. And then Lizzie um, goes in the house and she comes back out and she recites the Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll from start to finish. As she had been practicing this with her other grandfather that lived in Michigan, and I was so touched by it. She recited the whole thing, uh, and she did it such an, an amazing job. And then we all applauded her, and that was like her gift back to us. So the spontaneous things that occurred out of the ceremony over the years were just startling to me. And I really wanted to um, – I'm so glad I created the ceremony – now we've gone through all of my nephews and nieces who are now in their 30s and 40s, and their children are starting. Uh, all of Lizney's children have done the Blue Heron Ceremony. And you know what's amazing is that it's unique to each child. Every child that does the ceremony has a different experience, and each of them brings something else to the ceremony. Uh, one time, um, my grandnephew... Uh, I remember Adam, he, I I forgot the bird. I, I felt terrible. I'd driven five hours. I was supposed to get the bird. There was a lot going on, and I forgot it. So I went out in the woods, and I made a bird. I made a bird just for Adam. And it it had, I did, couldn't find any blue heron feathers, but I made like a, a one out of sticks and a, kind of a, a mock bird. It wasn't a mock bird, I would say. In the, in the term of mocking, but it was like a, a bird that was uh, specifically for Adam. It turns out that Adam is a very unique and creative young man. And so it was just perfect that I forgot the bird. And as I sat there and watched the ceremony unfold, my, my, grandf uh, my father 
who was in his 90s at the time, he couldn't travel up there for the ceremony. So we got him on speaker. <laughs> and he was able to talk to Adam and tell him how much he meant to him. And then, you know, he he had to receive it. He had to listen to that. And it was comments comments that people had not shared with him before. And um, and as it turns out, he's he's a, an amazing young creative young man now growing into his teens and well into his teens. And uh, I remember I felt so bad about missing the bird. You know, I almost went back and got it. And people said, Oh no, we'll come up with something. You know, so so even if you fumble, uh, the thing about doing a ceremony with your family is you can always compromise or figure out a way uh, even if you have like an established ceremony like this you can still figure out a way to do it. I know another um, niece of mine uh, uh, Aaron. she was a uh, young 13 year old and my mother had just passed away and uh, we were all kind of sad because this was the first Christmas again we forgot the blue heron and um, in this case uh, we had a blue heron in the backyard that was right in the back of the house that was like a uh, a bird that was um, it looked like a heron. It was to keep away other birds from a specific area. It was quite large, full size, life size. And um, so we brought it in the house and we used that. So you can use just whatever you want. Um, but the, the basic mention of the ceremony is the same. Uh, I had the same thing happen with my cousin. Uh, my cousin Mickey uh, used a rose, and she took her kids out to dinner, and then they did the ceremony afterwards, and she talked to them about the importance of their life and how it was unfolding, and she, she used the uh, roses. And she did that for both of her children. Um, so it meant a lot to all of the family, and it does mark a passage, a rite of passage like this. It doesn't just work for the kid, but it it, it, um, it amazingly marks time passing for the whole family. Uh, you know, at each ceremony, other different people were there. Uh, different people were part of the ceremony. Some had passed away. Our grandparents had passed away or in um, other ceremonies. You know, my mom had died. Uh, another one, another sister had passed away. So when you mark those times in the passages, you know, you're looking not just at the child growing up, but you're also looking at our own aging and our own process of moving forward in life. So that's the story of the Blue Heron Ceremony. Uh, there's many other ceremonies I want to talk about here, some personal transitions, one for a dream, career changes, moving in and out of houses, there's all kinds of ways that you can honor your life no matter where you are or no matter who you are. So I'll be right back. We'll talk about this a little bit more. This is Robin Turtle listening, and the show is Evolve. Hi, thanks for listening to the show. This is Robin Turtle listening. I wanted to let you know what else I do in the world besides this radio show. I'm an energy medicine practitioner, intuitive, psychic, and medium. Uh, I work privately out of my home in uh, Capitola, California, but I work across the country uh, by phone or by FaceTime. 
I also work out of East West Bookshop. I'm there usually on Fridays. I also have books. Uh, my first book was Dancing Up the Moon. The uh, second was Sacred Living, and both of those were by Kanori Press. Um, they're currently out of print, but I have a lot of newer books, Heart Path, Heart Path Handbook, uh, two poetry books, Poems for the Lost Deer, and my newest is called Mosaic, New and Collected Poems. All of my work focuses on cultural change and how we can change within ourselves, whether or not it's my personal changes as reflected in poetry, or uh, whether it's cultural change that's occurring on a larger scale. Uh, My books, Heart Path and Heart Path Handbook, focus on self-love, and I often teach people how to love themselves, the discordant parts that we all have. I'm also a visual artist, and you can see my artwork on my websites. The first is www.thecenterforthesoul.com, S-O-U-L, and the other is bluebonebooks.com. And now we'll go back to the show. by Claudia Vieja. This is called Entre Nos. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Disney, and I'm back with this uh, next segment of our show of Evolve. Um, I'm your host, and today I'm talking about ceremonies from the heart for children, adults, and the earth. And I mentioned initially that this book uh, had been Dancing Up the Moon by Canary Press, published by Canary Press many years ago. And uh, I've gotten the rights back to it, and now I've recreated it. And it has a lot of wonderful uh, rituals in it that I've been talking about. I just finished talking about the adolescent rites of passage. There's also uh, passages to honor menses and women's celebrations. There's a uh, wonderful story uh, actually told to me by a young man who did a rite of passage up at Mount Shasta, and he did a form of a vision quest with uh, all kinds of uh, tasks that he had to do for that ritual. Um, and then I also did a rite of passage for a young women's group that uh, was up at the Mountain Art Center here in Santa Cruz. And it was a wonderful experience for all of the girls. We did art projects, mask making. Uh, we created a door. One side had our um, uh, stories of adolescence on the other side and it had like a scene for their childhood and on the other side was a uh, scene for their womenhood and they made costumes we wrote poetry we had a wonderful time and the story of that uh, whole experience is uh, in uh, the book in the the second section Uh, I also talk about in the book honoring personal transitions. So what do you do with a special birthday celebration, something unusual, 
career changes. You know, career changes take a tremendous amount of energy for anybody that's doing them. Uh, and it can also, uh, it needs to be marked sometimes that you're moving into this new phase. Um, the dream ceremony, uh, I, I created a ritual from a dream and invited some people over for that. That was really exciting. Um, a rape recovery, uh, I had a, a young woman who was raped and she, in this new era of Me Too, she created a ritual to take her power back from her rapist. It was very powerful and she did it in a classroom uh, of people up at Sonoma State and I have the story of that in the book. Uh, also, moving in and out, when you move out of a home or you move into a home, I know I've lived in many different situations with partners, husbands, um, with friends. Uh, I've, I moved into a house in San Anselmo where a group of uh, three of three women lived together. Uh, you know, we each had our own room and we shared the house. We did workshops to raise money to get a vacuum cleaner and This was early in my 30s. You know, trying to uh, make things happen for ourselves. Uh, and also, uh, we were all very compatible in many ways. We had uh, psychology was was an interest in all of our worlds, uh, the arts, uh, writing. So uh, when we moved out, we needed to do a ceremony because we were pretty close and we got to be good friends. Uh, and And then we also did ceremonies for moving in into new places. So all of that's uh, in the book. What do you do with uh, a life-threatening change like surgery? Uh, how do you celebrate ceremonies for lost body parts? Uh, these are all part of the, of the ceremonies in honoring personal transitions. And then relationships. How do you honor relationships? A new relationship that's just starting and maybe a romantic relationship um, friendship changes. Uh, you know, when a lot of times when women are um, connecting with a new partner, their women friends see them less, and that can be really a challenge, uh, especially if they're moving toward getting remarried or getting married. Um, also, I have a unique wedding honoring the mother of the bride, who often does a lot of the work in most weddings, uh, acknowledging divorce, uh, funerals. Uh, different ways of having a funeral. Uh, I had the funeral of my grandmother that was um, in Illinois, and then it was also here. I couldn't go back for it because I had just come back here. I knew she was dying. I said my goodbyes to her and decided that it was more important to be there when she was alive than to be there for her passing, uh, for her um, for her funeral. So. Uh, I had a funeral out here, and, and I was in a school that would, in graduate school, that, you know, my friends rallied. They were really excited to be a part of it and to honor it. Um, and then respecting living elders. Sometimes the older people that we have, you know, there's so much isolation in this world with older people, um, and, and, and respecting them and honoring the fact that they are really an important part of our lives. Uh, that can be a really important moment. Uh, so I have a ceremony about that. In the last section, I talk about rights with the natural world. I talk about natural disasters. How do you do a ceremony to recover and to start a new beginning after a flood or a fire? 
Um, and then in Chapter 36, I talk about how you can have a right with the earth. This is a story about a young man who I knew, his name is Daniel Four, and he's a, a psychologist. And he was gathering groups of people to reconnect them with the different mountains uh, in, the, in the Bay Area, in the mountaintops. I, I met him at a ceremony, actually, and I was really impressed. It was one up at Mount Tam. It was a, a summer solstice ritual, and uh, or winter solstice ritual. And I was impressed with how he orchestrated it. I was impressed with how he uh, managed it and how he handled the people that were there. I, I just I, I thought, wow, this is a guy I could study with a little bit. Uh, and I has, was just recently divorced. And so I started going to his groups that were up on Mount uh, Uminum, which is a mountain above San Jose uh, in California. Uh, he gathered the group. We did uh, some unconventional ways of cleansing ourselves because of the fire danger here. And uh, we used bay laurel branches. And, of course, in any kind of native tradition or, or indigenous culture, um, you ask permission from the tree, you ask, tell them what you want to do with the branches, and then you take those branches if they, if the tree says yes. If the tree says no, you move on to another tree. And in this way, uh, asking permission, you're setting the stage for a ritual of meaning, or deeper meaning and harmony with the earth. Um, and what we did is we cleansed ourselves with the bay laurel branches, and then we moved into a, a place by a river, right where the river and the rocks were. Uh, it was a little stream, and there were about eight of us. And we found our spots kind of in a circle that was up on a hill, and we were able to um, connect with the earth through a meditation. And in the meditation, we listened for what the earth had to say to us. In that ritual, I had the most profound experience. Um, I felt the, the grief and the sorrow coming right, right up out of me. And uh, it was the same kind of feeling I had when I was disrespected by other people, by men, or by people that didn't understand what I do. And only it was intensified a thousandfold. Uh, and what Daniel told us later was that Mount Uminum had been a mining area and there was a lot of toxic waste that was going into the streams. They didn't know how to handle it or what to do with it. A lot of engineers had thought about how they could redo it uh, or to, uh, to help it, but they, clearly there was a lot of money needed to do it. Um, and then on the top of the mountain, there had been a military installation to look for uh, during World War II to help watch out for Japanese aircraft that might be coming over. So there was a there was a, a whole building up there that had been abandoned and it was full of rats and poisons. And so as he told us this, it made total sense that the emotion I was feeling from the earth coming up out of me or coming through me uh, was telling us something very important about what we needed to do over time, we would go back to Mount Uminum, and um, over the period of, a, a, say, a year, we would go back every couple months. And uh, in the meantime, during those different ceremonies, we uh, brought um, actions 
uh, kind of we developed an action plan. So we started river cleanups. We did engage school children. Uh, one person happened to be part of the the uh, school district, and so she was able to create in her school, you know, days to go and clean up the trash in the rivers. Um, and uh, a lot of people helped out. A lot of people participated. And and then uh, we also started writing letters to our senators and congresspeople. And we wrote to uh, Mike Honda, who is from the, that particular area, and he was able to leverage some Superfund money for the whole area. And we were able to get um, that Superfund, he was able to get that Superfund money directed toward Mount Uminum that actually leveraged a lot of other money. And we were able to ha see that whole, the whole top of the mountain completely reconfigured where today it's an honorary uh, honoring uh, house for the Ohlone people that are here. The Ohlone people also put a lot of pressure on Mike Honda and did a tremendous amount of work with uh, with the gov with the senators and Congress people, and were able to get that money uh, for this event to redo this mountain. Um, and then as we would go back time and again, there was less and less emotion or feelings of violation coming out of the mountain, and instead there was a sense of peace and harmony. And I wasn't the only person. I mean, I'm very intuitive and psychic, and so it, it made sense to me that this would come out of me, but I wasn't the only one. There were many other people that had the same feeling of, of the tremendous sense of violation that had occurred on Mount Uminum. So... Uh, the mountain is a sacred place, and it's reestablished as a sacred place today, and in part because of these ceremonies that we started doing uh, several years before the Superfund money kicked in. So I, I use this particular ritual as a way uh, to talk about how we can honor the earth and how we can partner with the earth. And, and we see this in a lot of, um, you know, cleaning up the oceans and, people that are concerned about sacred lands in the, in the Southwest. Um, but I think that we could even amplify it with ceremonies. Uh, I know the Native people and Indigenous people around the country do ceremonies before they do, say, a political action. But uh, this book really highlights the possibility of doing that and uh, doing it in a, a more... Uh, uh, intentional way so that we can help the earth heal and so we can all survive. Uh, the last chapter in the book, I talk about fire circles and uh, how important they can be to help us bring people together. Um, I'm lucky enough to live in Santa Cruz and of course we have beach fires um, in uh, cement circles and, and uh, for years we did circles uh, fire circles together um, uh, with a group of friends and occasionally I go down and do one myself or I do them with other friends. So I think it's a it's a really important moment and in this particular story of the fire circle there's the death of a young girl who from an overdose and uh, a young man named Gabe and his friends gathered for a circle and they did a ceremony. And so I talk about uh, that fire circle in a in more uh, in line with the Weichel tradition. So that's uh, 
pretty much the book and uh, Ceremonies from the Heart for Children, Adults, and the Earth. And, and the book will be available in bookstores and on Amazon and on my website. And um, uh, and those websites are thecenterforthesoul.com and bluebonebooks.com, both of which uh, you know feature all the newest and latest books that I have coming out and that other people in a cooperative poetry press have coming out as well. So I want to thank you for listening to my show, and uh, I hope you can find this book, Ceremonies from the Heart. If you need to get a copy, you can always get one through me uh, on either one of my websites. And um, I appreciate you listening, and I hope that this book, my deepest, deepest wish for this book is that it can help to transform culture. It can help transform our culture from one of every, where everything is monetized to um, to one of, of deep caring and and love. And that's the whole point of the book, is how can we love ourselves and the earth even more. Thanks for listening. This is Robin White, Turtle Listening, and the show is Evolved. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carousella. Please join us next time for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lisney, Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.